New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today, I'm hosting Dr. Glenn Aparicio-Perry, author of Original Politics, Making America Sacred Again. I'm speaking with Dr. Perry at his home by remote connection. Glenn, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Ah, good to be here. Good to have you. Coffee is very good. Oh, goody, yes. <laughs> I'm so glad. You've written about the seeds of our nation's past and how it can inform our future and the role of Native America as a part of the founding of our nation. You suggest that looking clearly at the unhealed wounds of our past is integral to moving toward a positive future. So I'd love for you to share your thoughts and research about that. Sure. You know, in in writing the book, Original Politics, Making America Sacred Again, I was looking to find what is the sacred purpose of America. And I found out that, you know, our founding fathers were deeply influenced by Native America both men's councils and the women's councils. Um, And so the ideas, some of those most brilliant ideas about about liberty, equality, natural rights, they all came from Native America. But of course, the founding fathers left out. They left out women, they left out people of color, and they created this shadow, they created this wound that that kind of festered for a long time. And, you know, it really led for another, you know, from the 1700s, 80s up until the you know uh, 1860s almost 100 years before we then have the civil war um and that that doesn't even solve the problem um because uh, you know and we don't know what would have happened if lincoln hadn't been assassinated but because lincoln is assassinated and his vice president who's of the other party um andrew johnson comes in and reconstruction uh, gets off to a shaky start and, in fact, uh, takes a 100 years until we get uh, civil rights legislation. And we're still working through that today, obviously. We're still working through the wounds. We're still working through the wounds of women, women that were kept out of the political process that then organized in the 19th century. 1848 was like a second declaration of independence for women. And it was a, a beautiful thing. Women wanted complete equality. Later, they settle for just suffrage, the right to vote, thinking that will be the way that they will get equal rights. But we're still working on a lot of wounds, a lot of wounds. But fortunately, I think, and oddly, Donald Trump was a catalyst for the revealing of the American shadow. Nowadays, people are beginning to understand both the blessing and the shadow of America. We need to understand them both and look at it with balance. In your book, you talk about cycles. One of the cycles that we're in right now, we might call it chaos. 
Mm. Chaos is scary for us Westerners. We don't like it. We want to be in order, and we want to get out of chaos really fast. And you share a wonderful story that I first heard from Michael Mead. Oh, yes. And you use it in your book. It's the Apache story of the black dog and the old woman. And it has to do with chaos. Can you repeat that story for us? Yeah, sure. I love that story. An old woman is weaving a beautiful rug. And as she nears completion of the rug, she gets up to stir a soup that's on the fire. But when she gets up to stir the soup, her black dog awakens and pulls on the rug with its mouth and unravels the whole rug. The woman returns. She's unfazed. She looks at the rug and where there was beauty and harmony, there's now chaos and disorder. But she's unfazed. She just stares at the rug and she picks up a thread until she reimagines how to reweave the rug in even more beauty and harmony. And then she begins. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's a gorgeous story. Somehow it gives us comfort that chaos won't last forever. There's a possibility of reweaving, and there's a possibility of our thriving through this, that it's a natural process. It is. It is a natural process. And I don't want to minimize the danger, you know. So the the chaotic process has been so often said, both danger and opportunity. And so the danger is while everything's unraveling, you know, people can be killed. You know, we just had the, you know, uh, insurrection on our nation's capital. That is the epitome of chaos. But at the same time, remember after that insurrection, the police officer that had been called, you know, the N-word by 25 times or something says, what the, you know, is this America? Is this America? That's the really important question, because the answer is yes and no. It is a part of America. But it also, there's also a greater beauty that needs to emerge. That's also America. And so both are true. Both are possible. The Trump administration has really made the shadow, the racism, and the need for white supremacy very explicit. It went underground for a while, and we thought when Obama got elected, it was all solved. And then here comes along this other administration, and it's very uncomfortable. But it's making something explicit that now, once we see that landscape that we're seeing so clearly, we have an opportunity, in my opinion, to start to really, truly, truly address this and heal this wounding. I think you're, you're spot on. We are doing that. You know, in a sense, we, we entered almost a second Civil War period. And we really entered it when Obama became president. Not any fault of Obama's, but because um, the repressed forces of white supremacy were obviously um, awakened when an African-American becomes president of the United States. So the, you know, the Tea Party movement was ostensibly about fiscal conservatism, but obviously it morphed into something that was pretty directly racist. And Barack Obama was the only president uh, who's ever been heckled at a State of the Union address. So he endured a lot of things and did it with great dignity. 
much like Lincoln. But, uh, you know, Donald Trump is very different. Donald Trump is the person who then uses dog whistles. I don't ever say that Donald Trump is racist himself. In fact, Derek Black, who is being groomed to take over the KKK position and then actually changed his ways, said about Trump that he listens to a rhetoric. He uses it when it's convenient for him. So it's sort of a game for Donald Trump. He's using dog whistles, which, of course, is a beautiful term, which is what um, the KKK realized they had to do to stay afloat, in a way, was to use dog whistles, which are understood. The message is understood, even though it's not fully explicit. But this brings out of the shadows the racist elements, which is part of America. It's not the whole America, but it is part of America. It's part of Donald Trump's support. It was not by any means all of his support because many of the same people who voted for Barack Obama turned around and voted for Donald Trump. They were lacking hope. Your fear is your hope unmasked and your hope is your fear unmasked. There's a reciprocal relationship between hope and fear. And that's why we got, you know, people voting for Obama who turned around and voted for Trump. You end your book talking about love as a vehicle for healing. Absolutely. Now, remember, when I brought up love, I brought up respect first. And in some cultures, respect and love are indistinguishable. <laughs> because if we respect the right of everything to exist, we're very loving, actually. And respect the integrity of difference to exist, we can be loving. So, yeah, respect is what we need to work on first. But uh, there were two presidential candidates in uh, 2020 that spoke about love. You know, one was Marianne Williamson, who wrote a book called The Politics of Love. And the other one was Cory Booker, who, you know, went on a love tour, you know, but, but they didn't get any traction. So I think the reason why they didn't get any traction is because we don't have a respectful climate yet. So we need to do that first. But if we do that, then absolutely Love is is really the most important force in the universe. I mean, I'm writing a book on original love now, you know. <laughs> so, so that's my new book. Oh, goody. And you got time for a quick story about that, how, how that came about? Oh, absolutely. Please, please share it with us. Well, well, five years ago, when I had finished original thinking and I was starting original politics, my wife Tomoko comes to me in the mor one morning and says, you're going to write a book called Original Love. And I thought, whoa, my wife never says anything. Like, she doesn't predict the future. So I thought, like, uh, that sounds daunting. But I opened up my computer. I started a folder called Original Love. And then a year later, I was in Taos, New Mexico. I was talking to a woman named Jean Ellis Sankari, and she taught at UNM Taos, and she was talking to me about me teaching at UNM Taos, possibly. And she's speaking, and she interrupts herself in the middle of a sentence, and she says, I just got a download. You're going to write a book called Original Love, and it's going to be the third book in a three-part series with original in the title. So the weird part of the story, Justine, is I had changed the title of original politics around that time to sacred politics. And that was the title for two years. And that's what uh, Select Books gave me a book deal with. But then my wife comes to me again about a year ago and she says, 
you know, there's an Islamic scholar writing a book called Sacred Politics. And I thought, uh oh, that's it. You know, I mean, we we have to go back to original politics. And that's when I came up with the subtitle Making America Sacred Again. And now I've started the book Original Love, which is a big task, but I know that the universe is asking me to do it. So I have to say yes. Lovely. I'm so glad that you're doing it. I would love for you to say something about your podcast, Circle for Original Thinking. Thank you. Well, the Circle for Original Thinking podcast emerges out of, you know, one of my loves in life is dialogue. So on the podcast, I always have on at least two people and we do a, a dialogue. I'll ask a dialogic question. It's turned out to be a hybrid of dialogue and conversation because, as you know better than me, since you've been doing this for so much longer, you know, you can't have a formal dialogue in, the, in a podcast format. But it's a lot of fun, and I also enjoy having people that are partners. I tend to find people that have either worked together or in some way their work is complementary and then put them together and uh, promote that synergy. And that's a beautiful thing, because I don't think anything gets done in this world by one, one, one. It gets done by partnership. Oh, that's wonderfully said. I was just um, this morning tuning in to the news, and I caught President Biden being part of the Munich Security Conference that happens every year. I wrote down this phrase that he started his speech with. He says, we need to build on the fact that every voice matters. And he also said, we're in the midst of a fundamental inflection point. And those two things together have to do with original politics and making America sacred again and helping us to know the diversity of voices that need to be heard and really listened to in, in a deep way. So I, I just wanted to mention that. Glenn, I want to thank you so much for being part of the New Dimensions Cafe today. Thank you. It's a joy. It's been my joy. I've been speaking with Dr. Glenn Aparicio Perry, and he is the author of Original Politics, Making America Sacred Again. And if you want to learn more about his work, I've mentioned his podcast, Circle for Original Thinking. There's that. And his website is originalthinking.us. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms, and I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you to please join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a 1,000 hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. 
You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.